How many of you this morning followed the Bible reading in your worship guide? If I could just see a show of hands. Did you notice anything? It was the, it was a, we are in much anticipation of Pentecost, and we went to Pentecost already. So today, you did not read the right gospel in your handout. That's okay. That's why I'm here. We will guide you through this text carefully. So today is a remarkable gospel, which is normally read for those who have a good ear and a good memory during the first very long gospel of Holy Thursday night. It's the high priestly prayer, we would call it in fancy language, of the Church of Christ. And he is praying very, very shortly before his passion. In other words, his going to Holy Week as we know it today. And there he is praying intently. And praying, we can say aloud, because how could St. John the evangelist have recorded a prayer that Jesus did in private, which means he was praying with his disciples, or at least some of them, and they heard him pray, begging his Father in heaven. It's a very intense prayer, the gospel reading, begging his Father in heaven to preserve the disciples, to keep them in harmony, to keep them unified, to keep them united to him, to keep them united to each other, to keep them united to the brotherhood, the church, we would say. So it's this kind of backdrop where the fathers of our church today selected to bring us to this Sunday right before Pentecost. And we know that today is the Sunday of the 318 fathers who gathered in Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey, for the first ecumenical council. And rather than take you through the whole reading, I just want to focus literally on the 13th verse, which is the last verse of the whole gospel reading. In that verse, Jesus says, after enumerating all these things to his heavenly Father, so that they may have harantinemin pepliromeni, that they may have my joy filled in them. The Greek word chara also is directly connected to the Greek word charis. How many of you the, the, the word charis means grace? Icharis to Seu, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Icharis to Kiriu Imonisu Christu, Charis, the grace. And chara, the same word, is joy. So it's a joy and grace are connected. And then you have the word ef-cha-ri-sto. You have thank you. So I will present to you a buffet here this morning that says that joy is connected to the grace of God and is connected to gratitude. Those three I want you to remember. Joy, Grace, gratitude. But we have to think about this joy, this 
filled, fulfilled joy that Jesus speaks of. People all the time say to me, Father, I just want to be happy. Is joy the same thing as happy? Now, of course, we can say yes. But I'm going to try to, just in a very slight way, change a little bit the way we think about happiness, right? Happiness, we can say, is connected most of the time, if not all of the time, with external things from us. I'm happy because I got into the college that I wanted. You have joy on that, no, no doubt. But follow me at least for this sermon in the way I'm thinking. I'm happy because I landed the job that I wanted to get and the position. I'm happy because my art project was awarded first prize. But is that the joy that the Lord is talking of? Can we say that real joy is not connected at all to external things, but rather joy that the Lord gives is connected to all those things we have internally in our hearts? I did a quick check last night on Amazon, and I looked up books how to be happy. 9,000 books were available for me to buy on happiness. And I'm reminded here of my beloved Father Moses of blessed memory who was a monk on Mount Athos. And he would always teasingly say, people talk about humility and nobody's humble. People talk and preach about praying and nobody prays. And people talk about being happy, and yet nobody seems to be happy. What an irony. We talk about all these things. And you know the song, don't worry, be happy. Right? Think happy thoughts. All you have to do in life is think happy thoughts, and you're going to be happy. Am I right or am I wrong in saying that happiness, my beloved friends, is not a matter of willpower or how frequently you think about happy thoughts. I can tell you the truth. There are many people here who try very hard to be happy, doing all the things they think will make them happy. And forgive me, I'm not saying any of the things I'm going to enumerate are bad. I like going on vacation. I'm going to be going on vacation. But if I just go on that vacation, I'll be happy. And if I just buy that house, I'll be happy. And if I just had those shoes, I'll be happy and they chase after false happiness. And isn't it true, my beloved friends, that life seems to be running on two train tracks? On this track are all the difficulties, challenges, setbacks, flops, failures, disappointments in our lives, the things that we would say kill our joy and our happiness. And then just on this track, running parallel to that track of life, is all the things that make us so happy so joyful, the people we cherish, our spouses, our siblings, eh? our children, how much joy they bring us. In parallel, two tracks running, you would think that we become schizophrenic. Is this too heavy for you this morning? 
You following me? Okay. So what is the joy that the Lord is talking about? Because St. Paul says it in one of his epistles. Be thankful. There's the gratitude word. In all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. You want to have that joy fulfilled in you. Let me tell you the secret. The secret to people maintaining the joy is the depth is the depth of their connection with Jesus Christ, nothing else. I have met many people who have suffered unbelievable losses in their lives, unbelievable hurts who radiate a joy. And that joy, my beloved friends, has nothing to do with their circumstances. But the joy that they feel in their hearts is the depth from which they draw with Christ, the depth of their connection to Christ. And so the depth of our connection with Christ will be the measure of how joyful we are, which has no consequence and nothing to do with the external things in life. And this leads me to invite you, as we all struggle in our lives, myself included, I'm not on some third track, I'm on the same tracks as you. How do we have Christ at the core of our lives? Well, you all made a good decision this morning. You came to church. That's a really, really positive, good way to stay connected with Christ. If we don't come to the source, how do we expect to have him? If we don't receive Holy Communion, if we don't point the living Jesus who rose from the dead 2,000, 21 years ago is the same Jesus that we all took communion of this morning. The same thing the disciples ate 2,000 years ago is the same body and blood that we ate this morning. Let us focus on not the external things of life, but if you play with the letters, you can spell eternal. We're going to focus not on the external things in this world, we're going to focus on the eternal things that God is inviting us. There will be inevitably, my beloved friends, always a struggle. It's like Newton's laws of physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. A good scientist here would affirm that. When we put ourselves on the track, which is Jesus Christ, our lives will not be rosy. We have to be ready. When you train to be a duck in the Olympics, the duck to become a climber has to train if he wants to really be a climber. It's not going to come easy. It's the same thing with our lives. We move and we try to the best of our ability. And you've heard me say it a thousand times. You don't have to do it alone. Look to your left this morning and look to your right. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are your brothers and sisters 
who you will be seated next to, who you will be sharing their fellowship in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know that there are people really close to you who you don't like. Don't look at them. <laughs> don't turn. Just stay on me, okay? It's inevitable. But in the end of the day, my beloved friends, this is our life, overcoming our little selves and overcoming our selfishness and our ego. So, to recap, be joyful. The only source of joy is being connected to Christ. You can try to prove me differently. The kids in Africa, one of our missionary priests was saying he had gone to Africa and he had a, um, a like a, a bar, how you call them? Like a new fig, new, fig Newton bar. And um, the kids, when they saw this thing, they came swarming to the priest. And he pulls out a bar and he looked for one of the most kind of uh, not so good looking young kids there that was very hungry and you know didn't look well and he gave it to him and what did this young boy do from his joy he went running he took his shirt he folded it he broke the bar in his shirt and then went to all of his friends and fed them he didn't even eat any of it that joy you cannot buy am i right that's the joy of being connected to Christ. So the more we connect, the more joy we will have in our lives. The more we connect as married couples, the more joy you will have in your marriage. The more you connect with your children and your families, the more joy you will have. And as St. Paul said, be thankful in all circumstances. He doesn't say everything's going to be rosy, but in every instance of life. We will be able to have the joy of Christ because we're connected to him. May God bless and keep you. And may we look forward to next week, which will be a super duper day of atomic bomb grace, which is Holy Pentecost. So I look forward to seeing you all. We will begin a half hour earlier because right after service, there's the Vespers. So it's a little bit longer. We're going to accommodate all of you by starting earlier. That way we don't tire you at the end. God bless and keep you. Thank you.